Welcome back to the Thousand Words Podcast. I've been thinking a lot recently about memory and stories and the power that stories have, that narratives have, to shape our perceptions of the world and how right now we're faced with redrawing those perceptions, challenging the stories we've been told, the stories that we tell, examining the narratives that we are presented with. This essay comes out of thinking of memories, remembering, and trying to get over the perceptions that I have of the world around me. So I call this essay, Too Young to be Full. Writing these essays for the past few months has brought up many memories that I'd forgotten. The bounce of a classmate's knee in high school economics that bothered me to no end. The swish of kayak paddles at Carlin Lake in Wisconsin's Northwoods. The cold of a Swiss train car window on my forehead during an early morning ride to Lake Cuomo. Red and blue streamer paper wrapped around the down tube of my bike and the wooden spoons of single-serve half-melted ice cream on every village July 4th. It's funny now that the more I remember, the more still that I remember as if I've already lived an entirely full life that would take just as long in the recounting as it did in the living. I remember the slip of paper my kindergarten teacher gave me as homework for the summer because, as she said, when I get to first grade, they wouldn't tie my shoes for me anymore. At the time, I quite liked my Velcro white sneakers that made me feel like I walked a little faster than my kindergarten pals. And then, maybe weeks later, I remember sitting on the concrete steps down into the garage of our house on Bell Road, slipping on my brand new canvas converse. They were red, or maybe black. My tongue stuck out to one side in concentration, a habit that sticks with me even today. I tried hard to tie my shoes, got it sometimes, messed up sometimes, eventually calling it quits on a knot that flopped around my feet as I ran up and down the driveway shooting a basketball. The funny thing was, That fall when I entered the third grade or the first grade or whatever it was, adults were still very much alright tying my shoes for me if I asked. The year before, another kindergarten teacher had asked me to go out in the hall to show him my backpack. I sulked out the door knowing full well, even at age four, that he knew I didn't have a backpack, but rather a blue plastic folder in which I carried the day's artwork and papers to and from school. In those days, there was no use for a full backpack especially as I ate lunch in the school cafeteria and didn't carry a lunchbox. When I returned with my blue plastic folder that both my teacher and I knew was not a backpack, he said, Now, Craig, that is not a backpack. A backpack is a bag. I want you to go home and tell your mom that you need to get a backpack for school, because when you get to next year, you're going to need to carry more things than can fit in that folder. That's where the memory ends. I don't remember telling my mom that I needed a proper backpack. I don't remember what happened directly before or after the encounter. I guess some things have already slipped the mind, which does not bode well for my later years, I imagine. My summers from middle elementary school up until late middle school are all awash in the memories of Little League and, later, summer baseball tournaments. Moments stick out from those summers like bouncing a basketball on the courts of Bayside Middle School, where we would half-heartedly hit backboard after backboard, never coming close to our dreams of the NBA, or the skips of stones into Lake Michigan, 
on afternoons, but I've remembered those before, haven't I? Maybe I'm too young to be full. I might be better off forgetting some of the things that have stuck with me, like the pain of broken ribs or the blood that gushed from my nose after a second grade gym class mishap. Then again, maybe I underestimate my own capacity for memory. I've been reading a lot of mid-century essayists lately, essays on writing, on living entirely in the 20th century, all the memories and moments that came out of that time for those writers. Roger Angel writing about his stepfather E.B. White, John McPhee fishing for golf balls out of the Hudson River, and more recently, David Remnick on Dennis Rodman. It astounds me to think that many of the essayists I enjoy can pull details from their younger years and put them on the page as if they had only just happened. But with each passing day, I start to understand that those stories they tell are but minute details in an otherwise full life. That at any point, any experience might be significant enough for me to lodge it away for decades, only to be brought roaring back with a slight suggestion of its importance. I'm thinking now of that Swiss train car window on my forehead. I watched as a passenger the rolling hills of the Southern Alps fade away into the graffitied, desaturated buildings of northern Italy. We bought gelato at a small shop near the lake and wandered a small park. People strolled around with little dogs and ate fancier picnic food than I'd ever before seen. Someone pointed across the lake and wondered if that might be George Clooney's Italian estate. I got to thinking of that train ride and my subsequent journey back to my small apartment because I realized I haven't written much about my time there. I haven't yet gone back to those months to churn up some little nugget that presents as a good base for an essay. There are the big ones, sure like drinking whiskey and smoking cigars up in the mountains above Interlaken. Or the mojito bar down on the lakefront where it was too easy to spend $50 in one night. Or the large plate of nacho fries at the pub on campus that could only ever be finished by a crew of more than three. But I know more memories from that time will come up again, if I set aside some time to think through them all. But I guess remembering is like learning to tie shoes. First, it's a jumbled knot but eventually, with years of practice, it starts to look a little better and flow a little smoother. My words this week were shoes and station. I'd like to leave you with two stories from my own reading this week. They both come from Langston Hughes. The first is called Seven People Dancing, about a single drunken night in Harlem. And the second, it's called Blacklisted from Birth, and it's a letter from Langston Hughes about the blacklisting of suspected communists in the McCarthy era. Go read them. I've linked both of them in the show notes. If you want to help support the show, please share an episode with someone who might enjoy it. I'll be back next Friday with a new essay. All right, we'll catch you next week.